Welcome to Standing By, an after-show special with our star-studded cast of The Bystanders, hosted by creators Jacqueline Hales, Ash Lindsay, and myself, Heather Morris. So, without further ado, I am so excited for our first guest. You may know her from Glee, Best in Show, my personal favorite, or currently the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, and so, so much more. The very funny, the very talented, Jane Lynch. Enjoy. Why must you torment me, you fucking cat? Yes, Bunny was being tormented. Tormented like Joe Pesci by that little kid in Home Alone. And then again by that same kid in Home Alone 2, lost in New York. Meanwhile, and rather unsurprisingly, no one had shown up for the Hades Big Bash over in Apartment 6. Well, thank you, Jane, so much for joining us and chatting with us. You bet. Pleasure. We were so excited to have you as the narrator for so many reasons. One of them, because in the traditional film noir, the narrator is usually a male. And so we were so excited to hear and veer from the traditional, right? Um, Was it fun to lean into the film noir genre? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a big fan of film noir. Um, uh, I love the the whole um, kind of the dry, um, melodramatic kind of way about it. And I, I hope that came across when in my narration. And I know in a lot of those films, they, they will have the lead character or just a narrator, a different voice come on and kind of fill in the story in a very descriptive way. Um, and uh, I love doing that. Yeah, your voice was so perfect for it, too. It, it came in just in this almost, you know, melodic way that the narrators for film noir, they just have this cadence about them and soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And yet they'd say some really harsh things. (laughs) Exactly. Violent things, but it's kind of in a really dulcet tone. Yes. (laughs) Dulcet tone. But then every now and then you'll have these fun outbursts. And it just it brings that it's just wonderful. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was almost thank you. It was almost in the Sue Sylvester realms at times. Like there was yeah. times where you got the fiery gates of hell. It was. It got a, a little Sue- Sylvestery. It got a little, yeah, it got a little harsh. It got a little violent. And yeah. that, that, that Sue Sylvester would really like that. <laughs> it's, I believe it's it. fun too, because a few people that have, have read our script and stuff, they, they're so curious about the narrator character after the end of this of just like, who who is that what's their story why are yes. they why are they telling us this story you know like yeah. what's with joe pesci all that yeah. so. <laughs> i love all those crazy stupid references <laughs> so <laughs> dumb joe pesci's my favorite that's ridiculous yeah. oh my gosh so as an actress i know from personal experience being tall myself you're tall and um particularly as a woman being tall in this industry it can be somewhat of a hurdle in casting at times Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, you amongst Gina Davis, Gordon Weaver were inspirations to someone like me when I was younger and being like, I can do this. I can, I can break through and get parts. Did yeah. you find that that was a thing for you? Is that not a thing for you? It wasn't a thing for me at all, but I'll tell you coming up, like in graduate school and when I w- was starting to act and I was meeting casting directors, they would say, you know, your height is something you're going to, people are just going to, yes. And it's not true. Mm. It's not true. It's not true at all. It's like um, a mind game. Yeah, it is. And also, you know, people are just trying to justify their jobs. Going, let, let me give you some advice <laughs> about what's wrong with you. And it, yes. it's, it's not, I remember I, I auditioned for NYU and I didn't get in, but the guy said to me, well, you know, what about your big disability? And I, I thought, oh, oh, I'm sorry. What? Why does he know I'm deaf in one ear? Because I have deaf. <laughs> and, and I said, what disability? He said, you're six feet tall. And I went, oh. 
And I, I knew I didn't let it um, affect me at all. Even back then when I was, you know, severely insecure, it, it's not an obstacle and don't let it be, um, especially if you're a character actor. You know, I mean, I think. Right. right. But look at Nicole Kidman. She's six foot. Yeah. She, yeah, she is six foot. Lady. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she plays it well. There's never any yeah. problem with that. I mean, good for you, though, for not even taking that and giving it a second thought, because yeah. that can really, um, I think, knock a lot of actors down, like getting that from a casting director, yeah. too, like yeah. maybe before an audition and yeah. well, it, up depends your audition. Much, it depends on how much yeah, uh, um, uh, authority you give to other people. And, you know, I was just so blind with compulsion to do this. That yeah, nothing, yeah. you know, and I was a pretty insecure person too, but, and I would get knocked down, but I was like, I don't know if you kids remember the, or, or know it all. You might be too young for this. You remember Weebles Wobble, but they don't fall down. Yes. Weebles oh, Wobble, but they don't fall round, down. Yeah. Yeah. It's this little round toy that you push it and it pops right back up. You push it, it pops right back up. So I was a Weeble that wobbled and I just didn't. You're a Weeble Wobble. Oh, I mean, that's, that's how you have to be because you're oh, right. Yeah. You that's hear it. it from every corner. You know, yeah. this is this is what's going to be your hurdles. So let that seed grow and so it's just the worst. Yeah. All, the, all the things we're told. Yeah, there's yeah. so many that can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so as a little review, the bystander effect is a psychological phenomenon where people are less likely to help in a situation if more people are around, which can sadly lead to no one helping at all. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had an experience with the bystander effect, been a victim well, to it or anything? Yeah, you know, I'm, um, uh, I don't want to make myself sound like a hero, but I'm kind of a hero. I died with <laughs> I, I dive in and maybe sometimes I shouldn't because um, there might be danger to me. But if I see danger to somebody else or I see someone vulnerable, like I saw a woman in a coffee shop. She was about 70 years old and she ripped and fell like literally on her face. Nobody got up. This is not necessarily by Sarah. I mean, she wasn't like uh, being uh, beaten up by somebody else. Nobody got up. And, and I don't I guess I don't understand that because that I can't see people suffer like that. I think what happens is. These aren't bad people who didn't get up, give up, but they kind of compartmentalize, I think. Mm-hmm. And they can almost pretend like it didn't happen. And it happened. And she really hurt herself. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I kind of do that. Uh, I, I, I dive in. But I'm also a chicken, too. I'm, I'm afraid to get physically hurt. I, I always, you know, hope somebody like if I saw somebody like, uh, you know, get um, beat up or um, like, say some guy was going after a girl, I'd be afraid for myself, but I'd probably do it. I'd probably get in there and at least make some noise. At least. Yeah. Make like yell at them. Yeah, yeah. Or act like a crazy motherfucker. And my fantasies, that's what I always do. when when I, um, when I'm thinking I'm going to encounter someone, you know, dark and shady, I'm, I feel like I'll just act crazier than they are. Just be crazier. And they're like, that's a wild animal. <laughs> Like they say to scream really loud at wild animals to scare them and put like loud metal music. Um, right? Oh, I'd be too scared yeah. to do that. I think I'd just, oh, yeah. a, a scary animal, I think what I would do is because they're not, they're not mean to be mean. <laughs> they, they, no, right. They're just protecting they're hungry yeah. and they, and they see you as a predator. But I think if, uh, what I would do, and if someone said this on some nature show, is you avoid eye contact and you, you know, just turn around and start to walk or just sit, which I don't know that I could do that. I don't know if okay, I could just sit. sit there and, I think I could sit. And hope. <laughs> sit there and hope. And it's hard yeah. because you don't know which, which, there's like different rules depending on which one it is. You know what I mean? Like with sharks or bears or tigers, there's like different suggestions. Well, I went, yeah. so I took a trip to Africa and the predators, when they arrive, 
every single animal, you'll watch them stop and face the predator. And they watch them until the predator is out of sight. And it's just a testament to their power. And so I always believe that even for myself, if I were to ever encounter that, like you keep your eye on the predator until they're gone, because if you turn your back, they'll attack you. But I think it depends on. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Because (laughs) eye contact is aggressive. Heather, do not go out into the wild. (laughs) <laughs> I know that turning your back I on a tiger. Die. I would yeah. die. I do so know that turning your turning your back on a tiger is a death sentence because that is what is they're it? looking for. Yeah, because in the villagers there will that like live there with amongst the tigers will wear like a face on the back of their head, oh, so it shit. looks like they're never. Oh. Yeah, so they're walking through the jungle and it never looks like they can sneak up on you because that's how they get you. Oh yeah. Oh. See? Oh, See? there's too many freaking. But with a bear, you got bear down. out of the. Yeah, I'm saying out of the. Tell me about a bear. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, with a bear, the bear, it's the opposite. You that you want to be more of like, look, I'm not a threat. I'm calm. I'm sit down. You know, and we're cool. Are you I'm supposed to play go. dead? Like lay there dead, and they just like bat you around, and then they're like, well. That's Maybe. fire, but that seems ridiculous yeah. to me. It does. I don't know that I could do that because what if they're hungry yeah. and they're like, well, she's dead anyway. Right. This is easy. Right. Yeah, it's free and, right. and with a shark, you fight like hell. Really sensitive pores on the tip. I'm so excited. I get to talk about this. <laughs> they have these really sensitive pores on the tip of their nose. So if you hit or scratch at the t- top of their nose, it yeah. should, or their eyes, which are really vulnerable, they should let you go. Wow. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. That's always something I'm fearful of. Sure. I love it. By, we're not bystanders. We're learning, <laughs> learning how to not be. Uh, well, we are talking about animals anyway. So I understand and I know personally you are an advocate for animal rescue and have a particular love for dogs. Yes. So did Best in Show inspire your love for dogs or like was it just always there? Get out of me. Um, uh, the show dogs are so different from, you know, your cute little um, rescue dog. Uh, show dogs are very, very well behaved. And they're sweet and everything, too, but their owners are insane. And I you, bet. Uh, you have to ask to pet their dog. And sometimes the answer is no, no, you can't pet. Oh, dog. Sh- oh, I like so that. these dogs. These dogs are, um, you know, they're trained to the point where they they don't do any of that silly, stupid, goofy stuff that we love so much about dogs. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Best in Show didn't so much inspire that. I've loved dogs since I was a kid. And, you know, I have a thing about the vulnerable, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, vulnerable children, vulnerable adults, um, people with disabilities and old dogs. So that's why we adopt old dogs. We've had many old dogs and we put down many old dogs. Um, And so you kind of learn how to do that and how to, you know, just realize that their last days spent with, you know, on your couch being loved is just such a great thing. And it's worth going through the the hard part of of putting them down. Wow, that is beautiful. I'm so happy that you do that. I always think about that too, the the old dogs that maybe have lost their owners or mm-hmm. they all of a sudden find themselves oh. living the rest of their life out in a, in a pound with, in it a cage. Me. It kills me. It's the saddest, yeah. saddest thing. So thank you for oh, your yes. work with that. <laughs> yes. It's our pleasure. And it's my partner, Jennifer. She's, she's, um, she does the bulk of the, you know, the caring and everything because I, I travel so much. And uh, so she's, she's the hero. You're hugely active on Twitter. Twitter provides just yeah. an ocean of content and opinions and can serve as a useful tool for getting your thoughts out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what is your favorite thing you've seen on Twitter or maybe like the craziest thing you've seen on Twitter? 
Oh God, I want you know I I follow Rex Chapman and I um, uh, recommend everybody does. He's got the best videos in the world. So I'm trying to think what I saw that was crazy. Oh, well, today I just watched an actual tiger in somebody's backyard playing with a cat, a house cat that was behind glass, mm-hmm. and they were like playing with each other. Freaking tiger! And oh, um, I love that. the husband's videotaping it, and the wife comes in and says, "Where are the kids?" And he said, "Well, they're out back." Which was a joke, of course, because they weren't out back. They would be killed by a tiger. If yeah. Like, oh, that's it. That oh, my God. Funny. But just um, Twitter is basically yes. a toxic waste dump for, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been kind of uh, uh, detoxing from it. And um, I just look at animal videos and you yeah. know, people just seeing each other for the first time since COVID. I love those videos, like husbands and wives who got separated because, you know, one was in the hospital or something. And then you see their reunion and they're 92 years old and they're both on walkers. And <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Just a nice, I mean, speaking of Twitter being kind of like this outlet too of, of getting your voice out there. If you want, I understand you wrote Oh Sister, My Sister uh, in the late nineties and did eight in 2012. Um, how, how important has the stage medium been to you to express your voice and activism and Almost everything, you know, um, uh, I I love being I love doing TV and everything and it pays so much better. But I love being on stage. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's where I started. That was my first love. Um, I did a lot of free theater in um, in Chicago before I came out to L.A. And I've been touring um, with uh, Kate Flannery, who was Meredith the Drunk in the office. She and I have been friends for a long time and we sing together. We sing old, old, obscure songs together. And we have a um, four piece band uh, led by this guy, Tony Guerrero, who's just a genius um, musician and arranger. And we, you know, we play all over the country. We're going to get back uh, on the road. Hopefully we have an Alaska tour in, um, in the fall and hopefully we'll be coveted, um, you know, stabilized so that we can do this. And we always tour Christmas, which we didn't do last year. We have a Christmas album called the sweet little Christmas. And um, it's a kind of big band, old style Christmas music. And we tour that all over the country uh, from like uh, Thanksgiving to about Christmas Eve. So Look for those shows. We're in a lot of city cool. halls. Go I want to see it so bad. Seriously, oh, must. We do it at, um, oh God, what's the name of that uh, theater? See, I haven't been there in such a long time. I can't. We do it in Los Angeles, that place on La Cienega. Hotel Cafe? Largo. Largo. There we go. Mm. We do it at Largo every year. At least Ooh. one night. Oh, I, I want to go. Let's yeah. go. Sounds yeah. here. We'll get do to it. Um, do so it. fun. I can't wait. You let me know. I'll hook you up with the tickets. Don't be paying for nothing. Oh, thanks, Jay. Tommy Warbucks will get you in. Tommy <laughs> <laughs> Warbucks. Um, your characters always have the most eclectic jobs. What's your weirdest non-acting job you've had? Oh, I uh, I worked at the gas island at Sears. Uh, you know, what does that mean? The gas the, island where you pump where you pump the gas. It's oh. called the gas island. And um, I, that was one of my first part-time jobs. And uh, another job that I did that I kind of liked because it kind of soothed my OCD. <laughs> is This is before your time, too, because you're um, you're much younger than I am. But we used to do carbon. Uh, everything had like three copies and there were mm. car- pieces of carbon paper in between it. And I spent uh, an entire summer separating uh, a triplicate form. So yellow, pink, blue, yellow, pink, blue, and throwing out the carbon paper. My hands were black. They were like stained for the whole summer, but that, and then you file them in the right files, but I enjoyed that so much. Yellow, pink, blue, yellow. Yeah. Pink, yeah. Blue. You had a task. I wouldn't love that. Yeah. It didn't take much of this. No, right. brain it was just, robotic. Yeah. And it was the most zen out I've ever been in my life. It was like a drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. 
What were the what were the carbon papers for? Like, what were you? Well, what you do on these forms is you you fill out, say it's an, uh, an invoice for, I forget what we sold and it doesn't even matter, some widget. And you uh, people will fill out a, to buy some widgets. They'll fill out a, a form and it has three pieces of paper with carbon paper in between each one. So you have copies of everything. you. So you have to press firmly. So whatever you write on the first one, say the blue one or the white one, it will go all the way through to the bottom because oh, yeah. you have carbon paper under there. We still get those from, I still get yeah. those from Ford when I get my car done. It's still yeah, and they get off. Yes, and, yeah. give it to you and, and it's and there's a great little perforation on top. Oh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> the finer things in life. Yes, sure. exactly. The simpler, finer things. Simpler, yes. Yeah. So we we have a few um, homages in the bystanders. Uh, one of which is to the fugitive, which you just so happen to play a small role I in. To have been in that, yes. Doctor Candy Wallace, amazing. That I is know. What oh my God, a movie yeah, I grew up on. Love it. Oh, that's great. It was a great movie. I was living in Chicago at the time that was shot in Chicago. And um, I was doing a show on a theater show called The Real Live Brady Bunch, where we did actual episodes of The Brady Bunch. How does this have to do with The Fugitive? (laughs) So the Andy Davis is the guy who directed it. And um, the woman who uh, was his assistant and now is his producer uh, came to our show just for fun and said to uh, the director, I got the guy for this part or the girl for this part. It was supposed to be a guy. And um, I I have a lot of those uh, uh, instances in my life where I get the part that the guy was supposed to get. And they give it to me because I'm kind of a butchy girl. Uh, So uh, they gave (laughs) me that part. And I remember I got paid $8,000 for it, which is nothing to sneeze at. And at that point was a really, really big deal. And that's a big deal. It is a big deal. And I got to work with Harrison Ford. And yeah, it was really great. (laughs) So You didn't even have to like audition for the role. Your performance was the audition. My Carol Brady oh, got me cool. that role. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Isn't that crazy? Wow, yeah. So looking back at your younger years as an actress, would you, do you have any advice you tell your younger self? Yeah, I would tell myself not to worry so much. Mm-hmm. I worried a lot. I, I put the cart before the horse a lot. And um, if, if I could have, uh, have eliminated that, I think I would have been a lot happier. And you mm-hmm. wonder how much of that suffering that you do that anxiety that you have actually propels you to go even further i yeah. i don't believe it did i don't believe it did i think i would have ended up in the same place because i believe in this thing called destiny that we're going to get what we're going to get <laughs> and that's and, great and, advice and, yeah and if you want to suffer the whole time that's your choice mm. yeah. <laughs> you don't have to you yeah. don't have yeah, yeah. that's good advice. advice very good advice, good advice. yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I appreciate it. Jane, thanks for thank being a part you, of this project. You We've just had such a great time with well, you. Well, I wish you the it's best. It's so great getting to know you. It's so um, clever and it's mm-hmm. so funny. And I, I was just so, so honored to be asked to, to voice the narration. You know, it was really a, a fun thing to do. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't miss next week's episode with special guest Oscar Nunez. And tune in next Tuesday, June 1st, for episode three of The Bystanders. Don't miss it. Our neighbors at Noble Apartment may need to call in some help for their their bunny problem. <laughs> <laughs>